0: Look in your Bible, if you would please, Hebrews chapter 12, our theme for the year 2011, our 25th year of being in existence here at Joshua Baptist. What a great, great, great year I'm looking forward to having this year. And what better theme could we have than looking unto Jesus in all of these areas of our life? In your grief. If you would look unto Jesus instead of someone else, I think we'd probably be more comforted in our difficulties and misunderstandings. Think maybe if we look to Jesus instead of the next door neighbor, we might be better off. I think maybe in our finances. <laughs> you certainly better not look to any financial advisor today. Some of them are broke already. And uh, so... I think maybe we'd be a lot better off if maybe we just looked unto Jesus, don't you think? Let me read for you just a few verses now. Hebrews chapter 12. Now I want you to listen on purpose today. I'm not going to keep you long, so don't start flipping your watch at me. And um, just I want you to listen on purpose today, if you would, please. Just purpose in your heart that you're not going to be distracted by anything Amen. because what's going to play, take place right now is, is very important. I have a message for you from the Lord. I wonder how many of us might be looking in all the wrong places Amen. to fulfill what we think is our need. Amen. Notice in your Bible, please, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, that word points us back to previously what has been said. Wherefore, points back to the great faith chapter, Hebrews 11. Where that people were sought asunder. Verse 35 Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yet moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sought asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having promised some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, because of those, wherefore, because of the faith of Abel, of Enoch, of Noah, of Abraham, of Sarah, of on and on, wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses this morning Joshua Baptist Church is the Colosseum and we're the participants and in the stands are the cloud of witnesses of great saints of God that have gone on before us Moses Joshua Gideon Samson Paul James, John, Mary, Martha, my mother, my father, maybe your mother, your father, your kinfolk, your uncle, your aunt, some preacher you've known. All are in the grandstands of glory today watching us as we run our race. Wherefore, looking back into chapter 11. Realizing the great compass of witnesses in the grandstand of glory today. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. You have, I have, a pre-subscribed race ordained in eternity. You have a particular race to run for the glory of God. You are encompassed about with thousands and thousands and thousands of faithful spectators who've run their race now sitting in the stands of eternity cheering us on for our race. Verse two. And as we run our race, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Our Father today, what a tremendous, tremendous impact this scripture could have on us today if we would just believe that our race. Is totally dependent on us keeping our eye on the finish line and keeping our eyes on a perfect example who ran his race, did not turn to the right or the left, was not swayed by public opinion, was not swayed by what if it had have been. Lord, I pray today as we enter 2011, maybe... The last year we ever get to honor you on this earth. I pray that we would run our race with the tenacity that we would not falter. We love you today and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. The emphasis most certainly is on your race and my race. Let me ask you something. How are you doing in your race for God? Is yours a Sunday morning only race? Is God only watching you run on Sunday? It ain't time to pray. You can look up. You have and I have a pre-subscribed race. The race that is set before us is God ordained and the emphasis most certainly is upon the race. God gives us a pre formula by which we can finish our race and do it to the honor and glory of God. How many do you think tried to sidetrack Jesus from finishing his race? How often do you think the devil knocked at his door and sent to him every excuse why he should get sidetracked and not finish his race? They tried to kill him as a baby, did they not? And they tried to kill him prematurely over and over and over. They tried every way in the world to sidetrack him from finishing his race. But he on the cross said these words. It is finished. Thank God, hallelujah, he did not turn to the right or the left. Amen. Amen. Notice, if you would please, to be a success in 2011, many of us was not a very big success in 2010. And you say, well, you're judging. I thought I said us. Did I say us? Yes, sir. Did I say you or did I say us? Yes. Many of us fell short of what God wanted us to do in 2010. Yes. Many of us did not hardly finish the race and God got the glory. But thank God we got a brand new start. We can start all over brand new again in 2011. Is that not so? Yes, thank God he's a God of second chances. Aren't you glad of that? Yes. And you know, I, I believe with all of my heart to be a success in 2011, we need to do two or three things. Let me give them to you first of all. If you're going to win the race, you need to run it with all the intentions of winning. Amen. I mean, don't start out and say, well, I'm just a jogging. <laughs> and it's not a hundred yard dash, it's a marathon, may I say to you. It's not going to be easy. You're just going <laughs> to wham, bang, and you're done. 2011 all year long it's gonna be a difficult race and you need to enter the race with the intentions of winning the race don't enter it with the intentions of giving up if it gets hard don't enter it if you're just gonna fall by the wayside let me tell you something you know the only kind of fight that is ever a joy is the ones that you win Amen. Somebody said, Second place is not bad if you don't mind standing in line with losers. That's right, amen. Start it with the intention of winning, ladies and gentlemen. Can you say amen? I mean, get it all together. Get your track shoes on, get in good spiritual condition. Make sure you have a good, steady diet of protein, the Word of God. Make sure you have a, a good good drink, a drink of the Holy Spirit of God and get in the race and decide you're going to win. Amen. Tell the devil to take a hike. You're going to win. Bless your heart. I like, you know, I always like to fight folks that didn't want to win. It's kind of like playing the Cowboys. Amen. <laughs> Yay, purple. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hey, 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 the enemy knows if you have an attitude that you're just going to get along and you're just going to be there and just going to show up. No, sir. You tell the devil you're going to win. You're not going to get out of church this year. Your family is not going to fall apart this year. You're not going to lose your kids this year. You're not going to go bankrupt this year. You're going to win, bless God, and you're going to do it for the glory of God. Have all the intentions of winning. Secondly, if you're going to win the race and you're going to be a success this year, you're going to have to discard every hindrance that's going to hinder you from winning. Amen. Now, I don't know if it's a hobby. I don't know if it's a hurt. I don't know if it's a sorrow. I don't know what it is. But whatever keeps you out of church this year, you need to get rid of it. Whatever keeps you away from God, you need to get rid of it. Whatever sidetracks you, whatever whatever doubles your vision, whatever it is, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to win, you're going to have to get rid of all that extra baggage that you can't carry across the finish line. Let us lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily beset us. Now, brother Jim's a strong dude. Look at him, flex for us. Look at that. Now you know why he's on the platform. But I bet I could get on his back and me and him couldn't win any race. Wait. How many of us have weights and sin that so easily beset us that makes us absolutely falter in the race? Well, you're going to be there Sunday. Oh, well, preacher, you don't understand. I got something coming up. Yeah. Yeah. That same question be answered you at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Well, you don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. Well, preacher, you don't understand. I, 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 I'd I, be right with God with my money. But I, I got this, you know, I got this thing. Going to take that thing with you to heaven, are you? You get the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to say, let me see your thing. Yeah. That thing you kept you from serving me. That thing you kept from honoring me. That thing, that thing, that thing, thing. Amen. You want to win the race. Amen. You're going to have to intentionally decide you're going to win it. Amen. Secondly, you have to get rid of every hindrance. If you're having trouble with your eyes down at the job. Come on. And she's kind of collecting your thoughts you need to get rid of the job because your family is more important than your job. Amen. 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 You said, no, I don't understand. She, she understands me. No, you don't understand. The devil is the one in that mess. Amen. Well, you don't, you don't understand, preacher. We just, we just share it. Yeah. You want to win? Get rid of hindrances. Well, this is not even an introduction. This is just some suggestions. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. Hey, he said, you want to win? Get in it and try to win it for sure. You know, every once in a while ginger makes me want to leave. (laughs) And every day I make her want to leave. (laughs) But leaving's not part of it. Amen, preacher. That's not in the race, that's Amen. Amen. Uh, that's not the finish line. So, number three, constantly be aware of the heavenly spectators. I've got a couple of grannies. I've got a godly mother now, and I got a not so godly daddy, but he was a good daddy. And I believe he's on the front row in heaven, saying, Hang energy. Finish line's real short. You don't know how close it is. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yes, sir. Somebody is cheering you on. Yes, Somebody is saying, Keep on. Keep on looking to Jesus. He's over there. Watch it. Somebody's there. I'll guarantee that'll help you in finishing your race. Yes. Want to win intentionally. Get rid of all excess baggage. Be aware that somebody else is cheering you on. And lastly, be ever looking to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Three words looking unto Jesus you'll see them all over the place this year looking unto Jesus have you even thought how much power there is in those words looking unto Jesus I was reading a song this morning look and live my brother live remember that I have a message of love, hallelujah. A message of love to you. And the song is Look and Live. The power, gang, listen, the power that's in those three words. The Trunk Railroad. Uh, company sponsored a contest a few years ago about a phrase that they could put on the railroad crossings they paid $2500 to anybody whose phrase they would accept to put on the railroad crossing these three words was to guard protect warn caution anybody who come to the railroad crossing have you ever seen anybody go around the blockades and through the rails, through the, have you ever seen anybody do that? Come on. Have you ever seen anybody do that? Would you say amen? Do you know anybody who's done it? Have you been sitting in a car while the dumpy did it? <laughs> I got my hand up. Those words are there for a reason. And so, someone, after all of these many, many, many uh, contestants uh, sent in their advice and their, 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 their words, finally, the one who got the $2,500 just simply wrote three words Look, you remember the words? Stop, look, listen. Three powerful words. Three words of caution. Three words, if you please, that yelled real loud, beware! Stop! Look! Listen. Back when this was going on, the trains made a lot more noise. You remember that. You could hear them coming. Stop! Look! Look! And listen, we have to realize the urgency when you pull up to the railroad crossing, the urgency to stop, look, and listen. But I wonder in life, if maybe these three words that I give to you, look unto Jesus, is not so much more important than those that's talking about a railroad crossing. And yet so many of us, and you know this is the God's truth, so many of us are looking in the wrong direction and looking, everyone is looking to someone or something in life that seemingly is not really bearing out Uh, some look to individuals for answers and some look to themselves for answers and some look to other things like a bank account or maybe a house, a career, a things that, uh, but I say to you today that there's not any place you can look except Jesus Christ for eternal situations. Looking under Jesus, the author, And the finisher of our faith. Preacher, why should I do that? Let me give you just a few things. And I'm not going to improve upon what the Bible says. But I I believe it's imperative that we make our minds up right today. That we're not going to allow the devil to tear our hearts up and tear our homes up and rape us of our kids and rape us of everything that's pure and holy we're going to have to determine that right now we're not going to wait till july or august we're going if we're going to be victorious in 2011 we need to do it right now yes. and let me t- let me show you i want to show you some things I, I want i want to show you why we ought to look unto jesus this year i want to show you why i want to show you why. How I want to show you where I want to show you these things. But first of all tonight, I'd like to today, I'd like to show you we need to look unto Jesus because of who he is. Because of who he is. Now he's a little bit more authoritative than the neighbor next door. He's a little bit more in the know than the guy down there who's got the shingle hanging out talking about behavior modification Uh, he he knows a little bit more of what's going on in your life than the fellow who pricks your emotions and lays you on the couch and begins to say well did you watch your mother kick animals or did your daddy ever kill a chicken in front of you Uh, did he do it merciful or did he just wring its neck Because we're looking for reasons why you're acting like you are. Our Lord already told us why we're acting like we are because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't blame your mom and daddy for being what you are. You are what you are because of Adam and Eve. You are what you are because of a depraved nature. You are what you are because you need to look unto Jesus. Quit looking everywhere in the world. And the Bible says we need to look unto Jesus because who he is. Here it is. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. If you want to know how to live by faith, then why don't we look at the author and the finisher and find out how the author and the finisher handled his faith when he was on earth. Even the Lord had to pray. Even the Lord had to uh, separate himself. And so look at Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ is the creator sustainer and completer of our life. Revelation twenty two thirteen. 13, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end and everything in between. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Who better to help us in our need than he who created us and knows all about us. Can you say amen? amen. Now I have a wristwatch here. It does not work. I just have it on so I can look at it every once in a while so you can breathe uh, a relief. No. But if my wristwatch were to tear up, do you think it would be a good idea if I took it to the plumber and had it fixed? No. Uh, then if my marriage begins to fall apart, should I take it to an electrician? If I begin to cloud up and have confused times, confused moments and think I'm going to cloud up and go in all directions at one time, maybe I should go to maybe a a hawk shop and ask the guy behind the counter there, could you fix my life? Where are you going with your messes? Where are you taking your family problems? Where are you taking your rebellious teenagers? Where are you taking uh, your uh, uh, unease in your relationship? I just believe if you want to take them someplace, take them to the creator, take them to the sustainer, take them to the finisher, take them to the, them to the author. He knows all about it. That's where we should take all of our problems. Amen. You say, preacher, can I see you after a while? Have you talked to God about it? Amen. Don't talk to me about it. You talk to God about it. Amen. Well, preacher, you can just help. God can't help you. The author and the finisher of our faith can't deal your problems. Yes, sir. We need to look unto Jesus instead of looking unto Gene. Amen. Gene has not got the answer, but thank God Jesus does. Can anybody say amen? amen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm just a God called man. I'm just a human being like you. But thank God. If we look unto Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Is there anybody here today? Please. I wonder is when your emotional issues begin to, to rise up and, and, and we begin to find fault in everybody and, and we begin to uh, uh, be so angry and so, so, so uh, miserable, miserable, miserable. What's wrong with looking unto Jesus? Amen. He said, I will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee? Amen. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in him is everlasting strength. Amen. 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 And many shall see it and trust in the Lord. Hey, what's wrong when your watch breaks down? Won't we take it to Jesus instead of everybody else in the world? Amen. Amen. This year, 2011, let's determine. That we're going to depend on our author and finisher Amen. of our faith. Why? Because of he's the author and the finisher. I thank God at the Calvary. You remember those three words Jesus said? The last words he said? Didn't you ever remember the last words he said? Hanging on Calvary. know what he said? It is. Know the rest of it finished. John 17, I have finished the work thou hast given me to do. Finished. Completed the glorious work of salvation. Now he offers it to all. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. This year, 2011, let's look to Jesus because of who he is. Now, I'm sure in 2011 I may do something that hurt your feelings. <laughs> Not intentionally, of course. You say you've done it the first day of the year. <laughs> Not intentionally. Please listen to me. Not intentionally. But Jesus knows the right word to say. The right time to say it. If I offend you, I am sorry and I'll apologize when I do, but I want to tell you this today: Jesus Christ will never, never fail you. Amen. Are you listening? If in 2011 you get your eyes on Jesus and off of a gene, get them on Jesus and off a of sister Sloughfoot that's got all the answers. An old brother doubted that they ain't never done anything. Get your eyes off of them and look unto Jesus. Amen. And you can finish 2011 with a smile on your face and a song in your heart. A victorious born again child of God. Amen. And you can hear your father say well done. Amen. Look in unto Jesus because of who he is. Maybe we need to look to him because of what he has done. Endured the cross, despising the shame. Endured the cross. He didn't quit halfway through. He didn't say when things got rough, let me down off of this. I didn't bargain for this. Endured. Isn't that a good word? Enduring. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. For you and for me. For you and for me. Consider him, verse three says. Consider him who endured. Such contradiction of sinners, lest thou also be weary and faint in your mind. Have you ever just feel like giving up? Have you ever felt like just nobody cares? Have you ever felt like, well, what's the use? You said not since a little while ago. We've all felt that way, have we not? 2010, did some of them say, Well, I'm just not going back? Gene just don't seem like he cares for me. Well, you're not doing it for Gene, you're doing it for Jesus. Gene didn't hang on no cross. Gene can't even carry the cross he's got, let alone somebody else's. But I know somebody that can. His name is Jesus. He can tell you all about. Enduring. He don't know anything about quitting. He don't know anything about misunderstanding. He don't know all of that. He endured the cross, despising the shame. I don't know if you know a whole lot about crosses or not. He endured the cross, willingly sacrificing himself for us to really understand the text Probably we need to look at it and we don't have a lot of time, but we need to look at crucifixion and the cross historically. But not only we need to observe historically, we need to think about it theologically. What did the cross mean? What was the cross? Well, now, traditions tells us and you know what tradition is. Probably a lie, maybe not a lie. Could be a truth, might be a truth. But traditionally, the cross was one single pole. And they would thrust the body that was already dead upon the pole. And the pole would absolutely penetrate through the whole body. And they put a cross member on the cross, on the pole, to keep the body from falling all the way to the ground. The Romans changed that and put the cross member and began to tie by rope or by nail the victim on the cross. Deuteronomy chapter 21 explains not to leave the body on a cross at a certain time because the Bible said every individual that was hung on a cross was accursed of God. They say that probably the scaffold that Haman was to build to hang Mordecai the Jew on was this single pole. Hang him on the pole. Hang him. But not so with Jesus. The Romans invented a more cruel, vicious. It is said, I don't know. It has been said that the death of the cross is the most painful and severe type of death known to man. I know how I don't have any idea. The victim was forced to carry the cross the longest route to where he was going to be executed enabling him to go through the streets of wherever he was to be executed there by showing all the standbyers. It was a deterrent, if you please. I probably, one witness of crucifixion would cut the crime rate in America tremendously. Now, I, I would dare say, but of course now the ACLU and B-U-L-L and B-L-O-N-I-E would, would, would absolutely, you know, they would, just, uh, uh, they would sue anybody that would try to deter any more crime. The victims was either tied or nailed to the cross. In Judea, they practiced nailing as a technique by which to hold the victim on the cross. In Roman law, the only people that was crucified were either slaves or non-citizens of Rome, identifying those who were crucified as not being a part of the in crowd. Yeah. Josephus says, the historian, Jewish historian says, that usually it took thirty-six hours after the after the beating of the cat of nine tails, the scourging, after carrying the cross after the penetrating of the flesh and the skin and the hands and the feet, it usually took a victim about 36 hours of excruciating pain hanging in hot, torrent sun to expire. 36 hours of the most excruciating pain, head-throbbing heart pumping pain known to man. 36 hours. Jesus did not last that long. Do you know anybody that loves you enough to do that for you? Do you know anybody that cares as much for you and your family and your kids and your wife and your husband? Do you know anybody that cares that much for your family? Why don't we look to him then? Because he's already shown us how much he loves us. He endured the cross, despising the shame, hung between two thieves. He who knew no sin has now become sin for us. The gaping, the jeering, the mocking, the ridicule, the shame. Look in. Under Jesus, because of who He is and what He's done. Colossians 1 and 20 says, On the cross, Jesus Christ reconciled us back to God through His blood. Theologically, it's all taken care of. Theologically, You can walk right back into the presence of the garden of even the presence of God. You can do it. You don't need a priest. You don't need a nun. You don't need anybody. You don't need a preacher. You can do it because of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And when he said, it's finished, he opened the way back into God for everybody Amen. in this place this morning. Hallelujah, glory to God. And I'm gonna look to Josephus. and I'm gonna look to Buddha. I'm gonna look to Muhammad. I'm gonna look to Gene. No, I'm gonna look unto Jesus. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. I'm gonna look because of who he is. Please excuse my excitement. I'm going to look to him because of what he's done. And please allow me. I don't know what time it is. Don't even care. I'm going to look unto Jesus because of why he did it. Here it is. Now look. For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despised it the shame. Joy. Joy you say. He did it because of the joy. Oh yes. He did it to pay my sin debt. Yeah being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth To be a propitiation, a sacrifice, a payment through faith in his blood. Now may I say to you, there's no joy. There's no joy, if you please, in suffering. Jesus did not get any joy out of the suffering. But there is joy in the shout. And the shout... Consummated the icing on the cake, the drum roll, the 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 finale was when he said it's finished. That was the joy. I've finished it, the work that my father has sent me to do. It's done, Lord. I didn't stop halfway. It's done. The joy is in the shout, not in the suffering. The joy is not in the cross, it's in the crown. Yes, sir. There's no joy in the cross. But we see Jesus suffering death, crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God, he should taste death for every man. Oh, yes. His joy is being our savior. His joy is seeing you and I get saved and our sins gone and covered and washed in the blood of Christ. And now we stand pure and white, justified by faith. That's his joy. Would you like to enrich in his joy today by you being saved? Would you add to his joy today by accepting him and accepting his word? Would you accept him today? Because his joy is in paying our sin debt and showing us just how much he loves us. Oh, yes. John three sixteen, you know. You know the verse. First John three, verse one through two and three. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh yeah. Beloved. It does not appear what we shall be. But we know when we see him, we shall be made like him. Amen. Amen. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a payment, a sacrifice for our sins. Joy, oh yeah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, for the joy was set before him. Endured the cross. Despised the shame. Here's the grand finale. And is set down. is set down. At the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but boy, I used to really love. Never heard my daddy say it much. But I really worked hard for my father's approval. I really did. Amen. You know, uh, I wasn't too worried about the $3 a day he was paying me to work from daylight till dark. <laughs> you know, and we didn't have 15 minute, you know, coffee breaks and all that kind of stuff. No. Just when he got light, you got the hoe in your hand. And yeah. when he got lunchtime, you laid the hoe down, you went to the house, you ate, you come back, you picked up the hoe and... When it got dark, too dark to hoe anymore, you went to the barn. They turned the lights on and you started squeezing them things you've been dragging around all day and make sure all that stuff's in, you know. But I I, I never, I never was too interested in the $3 a day. I, I was really wanting my daddy to say, good job. That's all I wanted. That, that's all. Now I know you folks think I'm getting rich, you're in this great church. But my reward, I do not get on Monday morning. I'm waiting for my reward when I get to heaven and he Amen. says, well done. Well done, a good and faithful servant. Here's the grand finale. The joy that Jesus Christ experienced is when he walked back into glory. God the Father said, Sit down, son. Here by my right hand. He finished his race, didn't get distracted. He finished his race. Now, it's, it's later than I'd like for it to be. It's a lot later than a lot of us think it is. I'm, I'm done. Hebrews 9 talks about a tabernacle on the earth. Hebrews 9 gives us a picture of things to come. Hebrews 9 is giving us an illustration, and I want you to look at it with me. And and I'm done with this. Hebrews 9, verse 2. For there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after that, the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Tabernacle was broken up into two sections. One, the holy place, and the other, the most holy place. The holy place had those pieces of furniture in it. Candlestick, table, showbread. Now the holy of holies only the high priest could go there once a year, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein the golden pot and manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and over it the cherubim of the glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot speak particularly, cause he hadn't seen it, so he couldn't talk about it particularly, cause he wasn't the high priest. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the arrows of the people. Hebrews 10, verse 10. Then said he, Lo. I come to do thy will, O God. And he take away the first tabernacle that he might establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Underline these next three words. Once for all. In the Old Testament, the priests went continually. The high priest went once a year, every year, postponing the sins of the people. But in the new tabernacle, under Jesus Christ, he offered his blood once and for all. Verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man after he had had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. You like that? Now notice the next word. He sat down. You notice there wasn't a chair in the first tabernacle? We read about The table, showbread, ark of the covenant, cherubim, is that right? No chair. Priests couldn't sit down because they were continually offering, offerings, offerings, offerings. But our high priest offered one sacrifice forever. Set down where? Look in your Bible. Amen. Not the left hand. The right hand. You know, if you fellas are walking your wife or your girlfriend down the street, you know which arm she's supposed to be on? Left arm. Yes, sir. And the man's supposed to be toward the street. That's right, sir. So if the car comes and hits anybody, it's you, you ugly booger, not your good looking wife. That's right. That's right. The wife is always to walk on the left side of the man because right hand is the power hand power he sat down at the right hand of the throne of god he knows he can he will do for you everything That you need. He will provide what you need. He has the power to do it. He has the power to protect. He has the power to give you peace. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I'm just going to say this in closing. 2011, I'm not looking to Dr. Foodunk, Dr. Doubt It, or Dr. Ain't Never Done It. I'm going to look to Jesus because He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to look at him for who he is, for what he's done, and why he did it, and where he's at right now. Can anybody say amen? amen? In your race that God has prescribed for you, did you get just a little sidetracked in 2010? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Hey, I'm talking to you. Did you get sidetracked? Did you start looking to others to try to please others? In 2011, I think maybe it would be best for us if we quit looking around, quit looking back, quit getting sidetracked by all the people in the balconies yelling for us, And just put our eyes on Jesus once again and finish like he finished.